Hey, Real Talk listeners, welcome back. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. We have Michelle with us today and Keith is back, guys. He's back in this episode. He has a lot to talk about. Let me just tell you, we are going to go on a little bit of a rant today because we have some controversial discussion going, as we always do, especially when we have the honor of Keith being in our presence, because he's always hyping up debatable topics. So without further ado, Keith, welcome back. Thanks. What a way to talk me up. Thanks a lot. (laughs) You got a lot to stand up to in this podcast. Seriously. Well, thank you. But uh, I thought it might be a good uh, time to talk about uh, the difference between influential power and authority power. And the reason why I thought it might be a good idea is because it was something that I had the privilege of talking to a, a group of senior leaders last week, where the intent was to talk about building teamwork, cross-functional support uh, across different areas of the organization. And what it ended up turning into was essentially a gripe session about how in the position that they're in, kind of upper middle management, that they had very little authority to make decisions. And so the conversation about what we could do in this group became less important than what we're not allowed to do. And so I thought that it might be a good topic to talk about the difference between the two different types of power and how we can help our people, our leaders through it and navigate through those different types. You know, it really is an incredible topic. And let's say as you move up a progression or a corporate promotional progression, it kind of changes where you rely on that authority power or direct power versus that influential power. But it also becomes really important for anyone in a support partner role or even anyone within a team that's trying to make change, but they don't have some assigned authority for them to do that. You know, We often use HR as an example of talking about the importance of influential power because typically outside of being responsible for the people that report under us, HR teams spend a whole lot of their lives trying to influence other leaders to make good choices. So I love this topic, Keith. I think it absolutely impacts a broad spectrum of people. You know, we spend an awful lot of time talking about how leadership is not a position and how anybody can be a leader. But I think when it comes down to the day-to-day operations of whatever business you're in, people sometimes are fearful about stepping outside of parameters of what's always been done. And they're afraid to take a risk and make a decision that's been made before. And so I think that one of the things that's really important for people who are moving up their ladder in their career, as you mentioned, I think is to remember that the biggest or the strongest power that you're going to have as you're moving up your career is that power of influence. And the stronger your ability to influence others is, the less you're going to have to rely on the power of authority. There's a lot to be said for positional power, right? If somebody is given power based on a title, then They don't really have to exert much influence on the people that report into them. But if they're truly a leader trying to create growth in an organization and trying to expand what's been done, then 
positional power or authority power is only going to maintain the status quo. It's not going to help anything grow. So even for those folks that already find themselves in positions of authority, the more that you're able to develop and flex those skills of influential power, the more impact you're going to have on your own career and on those around you. You know, Keith, in a previous life, you used to use a movie to kind of illustrate some goods and some bads within leadership. And that movie was called, uh, what was it called? Remember the Titans. That was what it was called. And there's a scene in Remember the Titans. And this is what I always think of when I think of authority power or positional power. I think of one particular scene where the coach is in front of the bus and you're getting all the kids on the bus and the previous team captain kind of comes up to him and challenges his authority. And he lays down that authority positional power really quick in that scene, right? He goes straight to, I'm in charge. It's kind of like when your parent drops the because I said so and I'm your mom comment, right? It's almost like the hammer coming down. The problem is, is it literally ends all conversation. There's no ability for me to follow up or ask as the child or the follower in this case. You have literally just said, shut up, I said so. In whatever words you use, that's basically what you said. Right. And by the way, We'll need to figure out how much we owe Disney for referencing that movie after the, after the podcast today. <laughs> but you know, to your point, though, when somebody, you have to ask yourself, if somebody is challenging your power as an authority figure, there's a problem with your influential power because that people are not willingly following. And so if you're finding yourself in a position where your authority is being challenged, then that power is useless without the power of influence. So I think when, you know, we always talk about in leadership development that we always have to look at ourselves first before we look at the people that we're, we're leading. And so when you find yourself in a position where, you know, you're not being followed or your authority is not being respected, then what are you doing as the leader? How are you influencing or not influencing? And what do we need to do differently as leaders? Because that authority or that positional power is so limited. And once it stops working, you've got nothing left. People may behave while you're looking. And if that's the environment you want to create, then you really need to think about whether you need to be in leadership at all. Because it's not about what they do while you're standing behind them, because you're not going to be behind them a lot. You've got to have a power that influences them to do what you need done with or without your presence. The truth is, is that the only time that you're going to be followed for your authoritarian power, your positional power, is when you're being followed out of fear. When people are losing their position, when they're fearful of being reprimanded, that's the only time you're going to be followed for the power you wield as an authoritarian figure. Absolutely. And it only lasts so long. And I've worked in a lot of places where that fear exists. I actually remember my first kind of professional full-time job. It was in the late, no, the early 90s. And my manager had a poster in his office that was like, he's always right when he's wrong, refer to rule number one, right? He led by that kind of fear-based mentality. And it did work, especially as for me, on me, as someone new to the workforce, 
unsure of what the rules were. It worked for exactly long enough for me to have a conversation with other people and realize that it wasn't normal and find myself a new job. So you nailed it. It will work. Fear will work, but fear will only work until the pain of being near you is greater than the pain of finding a different solution and or until they learn better. Exactly. Kind of reminds me, I've seen it in offices and comic strips around that people hang up in their offices that says, uh, the beatings will continue until morale improves. And that's what it reminds me of, you know, when you talk about leading from just a power, a, a position of authority, is that there is no increase in morale. There is no culture that comes along with wielding authoritarian power. It is strictly about you do what I say, follow what I say. But again, to your point, it's a very short-term solution to getting things done. And if you're going to lead that way, you need to expect that you're going to have a poor culture, you're going to have poor reviews, and you're going to have lots and lots of turnover. So I guess I want to challenge you guys on this. Why is it authoritarian power is seen as negative versus influencing power. Because I said so, Maria. (laughs) Fail, fail. And I ask this because there's so many times you take a personality assessment and it talks about even some of their traits are like, you are an authoritarian type of position or a character. So why is that seen as negative? Well, one of the things you have to remember about any of those assessments is they're not a prescription, right? They're not meant to put somebody into a bucket and say, this is you, right? Most of these assessments are meant to start a conversation. Most of them are measuring your preferred behaviors or inclinations, right? They're not necessarily meaning to say that somebody who shows up as a kind of a directive or authoritarian leader is not meant to say that that's the only type of leader they could be. What that says is that based on the responses that they gave in that assessment, this is the type of leadership that they tend to leverage most often. And I think what the idea of those assessments and a lot of the assessments is to get a conversation going about how much more impactful their leadership is if they're able to build the skill of flexibility and move across different types of leadership styles as the situation requires. Also, I would say that as you look at the different people that are in the workforce today, it also sways you to see how having just solely an authoritative leadership style is not going to be helpful. We're at a point in time where there are five generations in the workforce, and each of those generations has different perceptions of the world as well as the workforce. And so when you switch from that, I am the boss mentality to the, I want to understand you so that I can then help you, it allows you to adjust for each of those styles, each of those groups of people. Now, there could be times when you totally pull out the because I said so card. But I think what you need to do is what Keith said in the beginning of this, which is if you find yourself playing that I'm the boss card, stop and ask yourself, what am I not doing right from a perspective of influence that may be forcing me to show my hand or 
be heavy with my authority. And not necessarily what am I not doing in this moment, but what have I failed to do up until this moment, right? Because people don't just decide that, you know, the employee didn't decide in this moment not to follow you. This is a, they've decided not to follow you because of a pattern of leadership that you've exhibited. And most likely you've failed them as a leader systemically, chronically, not just in this moment. But Keith, I can be an authoritarian power as well as an influence power at the same time. Well, I think the decision comes down to those following. What it comes down to is influential power leaves the choice up to the employee whether or not they're going to follow you, whereas authoritarian power is you are not giving them any choice. You're giving them an ultimatum. Question becomes, which type of style is going to be more impactful and where are you going to get better productivity out of somebody? Somebody who's following you because you said so or somebody's following you because they believe in you? More often than not, an authoritative stance takes the premise of I can write you up and or fire you. I can demote you and or fire you. Yes, it does also mean that I can hire you, promote you, give you a great performance review. But more often than not, when we find leaders wielding the power of their position, it's usually in a threatening or an intimidating way. You will do it this way because I said so. Dot, 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 maybe unspoken, but I'm telling you, the unspoken word is the word that you need to pay the most attention to as a leader, because you might have said you will do it the way I told you to, but what they heard is you will do it the way I told you to, or I will make your life miserable. And it's that I will make your life miserable that then layers in what Keith is talking about with that they've decided over time that you're not someone who deserves to be followed. And, you know, I think um, speaking about, uh, you know, something that from, a, from another lifetime ago, it, it reminds me of something that used to be said a lot, maybe a decade or so ago. But, you know, I know that leaders who prefer to be authoritarians would disagree with me and they would push back robustly. But truthfully, if they are Wielding authoritarian power only, that really is the sign of a weak leader because that means that's the only tool they've got in their bag. And what that reminds me of is that expression that we used to say is, if the only tool you have in your bag is a hammer, you're going to treat every situation or you're going to treat everything like a nail. Is that how it goes? Yes. So when I look at somebody who is that strong-willed, iron-fisted, you're going to do it because I said so leader... I know that that is a weak leader that only has one trick, right? That's the only trick. They have no flexibility. They have no ability to influence. And the only thing that they're doing is treading water because what's going to happen is either they're going to turn off their, they're going to turn over their entire workforce or they're going to end up losing their own position because of the impact they're not making. Well, we already know that Within the first year of first-time leadership, most leaders and the percentage is upwards of 80% will lose their job because they don't learn the skill of nuance. They don't learn how to deal with people. They just learn how to plow through. I think another thing that I want to bring up is Keith and I have used kind of that extreme, that because I said so extreme. Now, what you have to remember is you are trying to influence what they hear, not what you say. And so what we're sharing with you is what it comes across as when you kind of pull out that heavy, I'm the boss. 
you may not actually use any of the words that we said. You may think you're being really subtle. You may think that saying something like, well, this is just the way that we're going to do it because it's the way we do it. You may think that that's not as tough as what Keith and I have said, which is you'll do it my way or else. But what we're trying to get you to understand also is that what I hear when you say even something more subtle like, well, this is the way it's done, what I hear in my mind or what I interpret from your words is, so I will do it your way or else. The thing is to remember is that your impact, positive or negative, is not going to remain with the person that you're interacting with, right? Your impact is going to spread. When you are speaking to an employee and you're saying things, to your point, Michelle, if you're saying things like, well, this is the process that we all need to follow, or we all need to have rules, or whatever the phrasing you're using is to get your point across that this is the only way to do things and, you're, and you, know, you have to do it this way. When that message gets spread, they're not going to say it the way you said it. They're going to go back and say, well, Keith just basically told me it's his way or the highway. And so to your point, we're using language that may not come across verbally by the leader, but it's how it's going to be remembered. And that's exactly what I was trying to challenge you guys on, because it's not always just going to be like, because I said so. It's going to be very cryptic, subtle messages over sometimes a lengthy period of time. Yes. You know, another thing, and we talk a lot on this, on the podcast series about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Another thing that happens when you rely heavily on kind of that authority power that this is the way is you shut down the idea of people bringing themselves to the table, of people challenging the process, of people being willing to have a voice or question, which means they also shut down offering better solutions or becoming innovative or thinking outside of that proverbial box, right? You shut all of that down when you rely on that, this is the rule, do it this way, I'm in charge. Here's a side of it we haven't talked about yet. And that's that that type of leadership style, that firm-handed, that positional power, authoritarian leadership style is often celebrated, especially in areas like operations, where people who have held leadership positions before and have moved up, they celebrate that type of leadership style. They think, yes, you know, you've got to lead with a firm hand. You've got to lead. You're the boss. You know, what you say is the way. And so when we're talking about as leaders developing influential power, it really is twofold because you've got to be able to influence the people that are following you. And you also have to be able to influence the people who came before you to be able to introduce them to a different style of leadership and say, I understand that work for you, but my style is more of a influential style where I want people to follow me because they believe in the message, they believe in the value of our organization. And so I think that's part of the challenge is that it's easy to slip into that mode of I'm the boss because people who came before me may be celebrating that. So when we're talking about developing influential power, you've got a task in front of you because it may not just be leading down. You may also have to be leading up. It's true. It's also hard because when you're surrounded so much from authoritarian type of power, it's like infectious. 
Agreed. You don't want to be infected. Right. But that's exactly why we talk about the importance of culture, because if you don't consciously direct what you want the culture of your organization to be, culture gets defined automatically by what's happening around. True. And I think that's the most critical component for people to think through. Another thing to consider, and it's a question that we hear a lot when we talk about positional power, is digging into the, but I'm a really direct person. That's not what we're talking about here, right? We're not talking about your directness. We're talking about the fact that you rely on your ability to hire or fire, promote or demote as a way to get people to buy in. You can be incredibly direct and still allow for input, understand your followers and influence them in a way that is successful. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think when you're talking about the difference between the two type of leaderships, the most important part of it is your intent. And what grows from intent is how you communicate. What grows from intent is the message that's carried across. One of the examples that I like when we're talking about these two types of leadership is that you know Tony Robbins asks this question in his programs a lot. I always think it's a good example. He says, as a parent, how long would you give your average toddler to learn how to walk before you just gave up and said, all right, I guess my kid's not a walker? Obviously, there would never come a time where you'd give up and say, my kid's not going to walk. But then change that question around and say, as a leader, how long would you give your average employee to learn a new task before you gave up on them and said, this isn't right for you? So what's the difference between the two scenarios? The difference is, is that one is your child and you love them. The other is y- your employee and your employee gets to a point where you see that person as disposable because they're not performing. And so I always like to ask leaders, I said, you know, if we're talking about leadership in a classroom, I say, you know, raise your hand if you love the people that report to you. You know, you get some shaky hands going up. And then I use this example. And then I say, you know, well, you know, the best leaders are able to positively influence the thoughts, feelings, and actions of others that promote growth. And then I'll tell them, if you were to look up a psychological definition of love, the definition is thoughts, feelings, and actions that promote growth. So I think when we're talking about the fundamental difference between a authoritarian leader and an influential leader is the influential leader genuinely cares about the people that are following That is where the intent comes in. If you genuinely care about the people that are following you, then the way you communicate, your actions are going to be far different. Your message is going to be received far better than if you're coming from a place of you are disposable and you need to do what I say. But Keith, I will force my child to figure out how to walk because... I will be responsible for them forever. I can't swap them, but I can swap out my employees. That's a great point. Let me ask you this. Do you really think that your child is going to learn to walk because you said, I said so, now learn to walk? (laughs) They're not. They're going to learn how to walk because you're influencing them. They're watching what you're doing. They're watching the people around you and they're mimicking what you're doing. I'm also forcing them because I'm holding them by their fingers and literally making their feet strong or their legs stronger by stepping around the entire house until they grow some muscle to walk. So what you're telling me is that you're using the word force, but you're telling me that you're holding them up. So what that really means is you're supporting them. You're supporting them while they observe your behavior. Yeah, it's my blood. Of course, I'm going to figure it out. (laughs) You're going to figure it out. That's the whole point. 
the intent is that's your child and you are not going to allow them to not walk. But if you took that same mindset with your employees and say, that's my employee, I care about them and I am not going to let them fail. They are going to be successful. Then you're going to have a far different outcome than just saying, perform this task the way I tell you to do it because I said so. Juggling is another great example. You hand somebody three balls and say, juggle those right now because I said so. It's never going to happen. I feel like, was it you or someone else? They did a juggling act in one of our training sessions. No. I- <laughs> No, I'm just giving you a hard time. But I think sometimes the mentality is there like, yes, I would like to influence, but also you as an employee are only as influenced as you want to be. At some point, you're putting your foot down. And this is the whole sit lead type of situation. People versus what they want to do or what they're capable of doing is very different. Right. But again, you know, if you were to ask yourself, why are they unwilling to follow me? Then you've got to you got to trace that back to yourself because I guarantee you that that person did not accept the job with the intention of purposely disobeying or purposely failing in their role. Totally, but we have leaders all the time, Keith, that come to us and make these. Oh, we do, we do. So I just like to point that out sometimes. So I was looking up a couple of different things. There is a book when you like look up influencing leadership. There's a couple of books that come up. One of them is How to Win Friends and Influence People from Dale Carnegie. Has anyone read that? Yes. What are your thoughts on that book? I think for a book that's been around for so long, the key messages still hold up. I think it has some language in it that people may feel is kind of fluffy. And so one of the books that I always direct people to is, we're having these conversations, is Start With Why by Simon Sinek. Because I think that Leadership starts with effective communication. And if you are able to convey not just the what and the how of what needs to be done, but if you start with the why and that employee's place in the overall machine of what is getting done and make that employee understand what their contribution is to the organization, to their department, to their team they're going to be far more willing to take on the what and the how of what's being asked of them. So I think that the tenants presented in the Dale Carnegie book are great. But if you're looking for something that's worded a little bit more strategically, I would go with start with why. Yeah, if you're looking for something at a next level, how to lead when you're not in charge by Clay Scroggins, it's actually interesting because I think that person was like a pastor or something at some sort of church and provided like really great insight into like leading yourself. How do you like think critical? How do you reject passiveness and create positivity around you? He talks about the book in such a way where like you can connect and relate. And it's kind of funny too, at the same time. I have not read that one. Yeah, definitely next level. If you're like, hmm, how do I take that to the next level? Or like we've talked about this one in the past two Leaders Eat Last. That one's a good one too by Simon Sinek. Another Simon Sinek one, yes. Another Simon Sinek. And if you don't know Simon Sinek, go on TikTok because he has a lot of like 30 second quotes that he does or conversations or it's very inspiring actually. Yes, plus he's got a very interesting way of speaking too that kind of hooks you. It does, yeah. Well, I think that's a pretty good topic of discussion for today. 
For us, we're going to take this to the next step and talk about how leaders can improve team dynamics without waiting on an organization to do it. So that'll be interesting. But thank you, Keith, for joining us. It is always a pleasure. Stop by anytime and come hang out with us. Will do. All right. Take care, listeners. Bye. Bye.